It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. California Wine wine Country with Dan Berger. Today, uh, Tom Simino's back with us. And our guest is Mike Kobler, winemaker at Kobler Estate Winery. Mike, great to meet you, man. Thank you so much. So you guys started the, the early beginnings, anyway, according to the website, in 1986. You guys are Russian in the Russian River Valley. Explain the history of Kobler. Yeah, so my grandfather and my grandmother retired up in the early 80s from San Francisco uh, and uh, got a four-acre property off of West Dry Creek um, and just close to, gosh, what was it? Eh, about three miles up. And uh, my grandfather was just finishing his last year of engineering, so he was about to retire. Um, moved down to South America to finish that last project, which is where I and my father were born. Um, and cool. left my grandmother up in Dry Creek, and they had those four acres of empty land, and he had a little case of the Joneses. Like, really wanted to <laughs> grow some grapes because everybody else around them had them. Uh, so she ended up going to... The Santa Rosa Junior College. And Grandma to the Junior College. Yeah. That's a first, I think, Jackson. What do you think? <laughs> you got to love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we got to hand it to Grandma Nancy because she, she was kind of the one that really got us started. Grandpa was like, yeah, let's do it. And she went full force into uh, the JC and learned viticulture and hired, gosh, I can't remember his name. He was one of his, one of the first viticultural uh, uh Vineyard Rich, guys around Rich me. Thomas? Rich Thomas. Oh, we oh, love Rich Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> he was the teacher. I can't yeah. remember the, the uh, vineyard manager. So well, Rich Thomas is an icon oh, yeah. in the world of wine. So he was teaching, guy. but you, Duff Bevel? No, it was before Bevel. Before Duff. Yeah. So uh, anyways, my grandfather came back from Venezuela in the early uh, 1984, 85, and uh, there were four acres of Sauvignon Blanc. And so they started selling to... Then, um, Dry Creek Vineyards and Clos de Bois and Pezzy King before they were purchased. So That's the beginning. That's the very that? beginning. Um, fast forward a few years later, my dad and my uncle both settled here with their families. Um, uncle was from San Francisco. We moved from Virginia, late 80s, um, specifically be close to Grandpa. Dad's an engineer, so he was moving down to San Francisco daily driving down there to do all that engineering and commuting. And uh, the vineyards were their kind of catharsis. They got didn't have to do the engineering, so they took the families, including myself, up to my grandparents' house, and we did all the, <laughs> all the hard work <laughs> that goes into having a vineyard in, the, you know, in January, six years old. And how old were you then, six? Six. Six years old, and I still remember hating going out and pruning vineyards in freezing rain in January. <laughs> what a wimp. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it went into economics. <laughs> Dan, thoughts on Kobler? It's a great uh, area of the world to grow grapes, and especially with uh, when you have a small pro 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 project. The problem with uh, that area is that the larger pieces of land can be, the, the soils out there are a little strange sometimes, and if you get the right kind of soil, small small. Uh, projects tend to work better. Uh, the bigger projects, you've got problems with uh, rootstock choices and stuff like that. But uh, this sounds like a lot of fun. Tom? 
Well, I'll tell you, we're, we're tasting your Gewürztraminer here, and this is, this is fantastic. It's it really is. Yeah. Yes. I mean, wow. Very dry. I mean, uh, what year is this? Mike? Nice floral This is our character. 2021. Wow. Okay. I can't get over the clarity of the wine. It's yeah. like, did you pour water into my glass? <laughs> well, it's no oak, right? No, this is 100% stainless steel. Yeah. The Man, nice, that's good. The nice part about this wine is that it's completely dry, but it's not austere because you you kept the other pieces of it, the acidity and the pH, in such a range that the wine is soft and actually gentle on the tongue. It really is. It's a beautiful but wine. But the acidity is there, which is important. The acid's there, but yeah. it's not austere. So you I know, like Thanksgiving, it. man, I'm just thinking this would be a nice way to start your Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. I just spent a uh, the first of many Friendsgivings last Saturday at a friend's <laughs> house. And, um, you know, as Sonoma County as you could possibly get, it was a 29-pound farm-raised turkey from a friend of ours. And the Gewürztraminer went perfectly with it. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful wine, and it's hard to make uh, Gewürz that doesn't have any bitterness. This has zero bitterness. No, that is yeah, sometimes smooth. it's almost like uh, like an aspirin kind of thing in the yeah. very back of your palate when they're as dry as this. Yeah, um, up until last year, my brother Brian was our head winemaker. Um, he left to pursue other ventures, and essentially it was. Here's 10 years' worth of winemaking for the company. Here's your protocol. You are smart enough. Let's go and do this. Um, so you are now the winemaker. I am the winemaker yeah. now, yes. And uh, Mike Col- uh, Kobler here from Kobler Estate Winery, uh, you talked about the history of the winery and your family. Talk about your uh, how you got into the wine world, and now you're a winemaker. Yeah, um, kind of. Not the traditional path. Um, I definitely decided I did not want to be an engineer. I saw my dad and my grandfather do that, and uh, didn't. I was like too much math, way too much math, too much liability. I'll drink to that. <laughs> and uh, so, but my senior in high school, I really kind of fell into economics. There's no like, math involved there. Right? No, no, and surprisingly, actually, a lot of consumer preferences. Um, you know, I didn't really realize until I started with our Gewurz two years ago um, that there is a certain amount of perception that a winemaker or a business owner in the industry has to do, and, and not perception, but um, kind of reading their consumer base. You know, I can't pay for those large data sets, but what I can see is people coming to the house and tasting and seeing what they like and what they don't like. Um but rewind 20 years, and I, so I went to Sonoma State for economics. And during that period at Sonoma State, I just kind of started drinking wine, <laughs> whereas everybody else in college was drinking, you know, beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, exactly. Um, you know, I fell into, you know, my brother was in the industry. He, he started in the industry 25 years ago as a cellar rat, and... Um, you know, we always had wine around the family because my dad made it as an as a amateur for 30 years. And uh, so we always had it. And so it was always an integral, not an integral part, but kind of something that was always there. And we, you know, I grew up with um, Nicole and Katie Bocigalupi. I've known them since I was in middle school, knew the family history. Um, and graduated with my economics degree in 2007. 
right when everybody who had an economics degree or finance degree was getting laid off. <laughs> and so I did two years. Great of, timing. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> timing, yes. Not on that. On the wine, yes. Um, but, uh, no, I went into retail management for Abercrombie & Fitch for two years. And when they moved me down to San Mateo without paying me to move to San Mateo, um, <laughs> I realized that was not the path that I wanted to take. And my dad and I sat down and with my brother and my mom and decided after, you know, 25, 30 years, my aunt, my uncle, my grandma, my grandparents having vineyards, let's just take the natural step forward and start our own brand. So we started with 500 cases back in 2010. And you started with Syrah fruit? Yeah. Yeah. And now you're making rosés, chardonnay, pinots. Yeah. So um, it was crazy at the time. Uh, my dad and my uncle bought a property right next to um, Pascaline on 116. So my aunt and my uncle bought the property. Uh, my dad and my uncle went in and planting four acres of Syrah. It's in the heart of the Green Valley. And at the time, they had no idea that that area was going to be great for Syrah. I mean, it was starting to be planted with Pinot. Pinot out of the area it, at the time. It really still hasn't even been discovered for Syrah by some people. Yes. I would say probably. I would say in my personal opinion, the only, in my opinion, um, Radio Coteau has really done a stellar job with doing the cool climate Syrahs out there. Um, but it was kind of a crapshoot. They were like, we like Syrah. This is our favorite grape. We're going to plant her here. And it actually turned out to be... <laughs> it was very serendipitous. Um, so we started with Syrah and uh, made a rosé of Syrah out of it. Um, found that our first couple vintages of rosé of Syrah, we pressed a little too heavily. So it was a little too dark. Um, but we found that using different cycles on the press would give a little bit of a different result. Uh, so that's where we get the nice rosé. Um, and then we used to buy Chardonnay and Pinot from our neighbor across the street. Um, and with my relationship with Nicole and Katie Bacigalupi, I asked them in 2014 if we could buy some Chardonnay from them. And they kind of laughed at first. <laughs> they were like, oh, you want to get on the list? <laughs> um, yeah. Everybody wants Bacigalupi Well, the Bacigalupis, man. <laughs> they yeah. talk about iconic. And he but, knew the girls. That's the crazy thing. When, I, I still remember to this day when I first started um, – I sat down with Nicole, and who's a, still a good friend of mine, and uh, I asked her, I was like, so what is, what's the number one piece of advice that you would give me? She's like, don't do it. <laughs> She's like, it's, it's a lot of work. Don't do it. The Chardonnay? Just everything. grow everything. everything. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, how, do you, how do you make a small fortune in the wine business? You start out with a large fortune. That's the old joke. Right. The nice thing is that, you know, we've been able to um, be pretty lean on on our expenses. So um, that's why we've been able to be around for 10 years. Uh, but, yeah, no, Katie and Nicole. So I was able to do our first vintage from uh, Bocigalupi's in 2014, um, which my brother at the time – was not fond of the barreling program and the winemaking style that I requested. Um, he said it was going to be too buttery, too oaky. Um, we ended up with about 25% new French, 75% neutral French oak, and 100% mallow, 
which has been our protocol on our Chardonnay from Bacigalupi since 2014. So this wine is the Bacigalupi. Jackson, you should try this coming up. Slide that bottle over to Jackson. It's the the Chardonnay. The Chard? Is, yeah, yes. 20, 21 vintage. This is our Mike? 21 vintage. We did about 125 cases of this one. Wow, the nose is spectacular for a Chard. Wow. Our guest on uh, California Wine Country, brought to you by Bottle Barn, is Mike Kobler, winemaker at Kobler Estate Winery. And it's KoblerEstateWinery.com. You should check them out. And, Mike, you said you're now the winemaker. Yeah. Did you see that as a role you would eventually find yourself in? Um, no, I always tended to want to be more in the hospitality role, but also a little bit of a creative role as well. Um, when we started our 2014 um, Chardonnay with Bacigalupi, that was the first time that I kind of dabbled into a little bit of the winemaking side, per se, where my brother and I kind of came to a sense, consensus of here's what the consumer what I perceived the consumer wanted from my standpoint and um, that was the first time I was like uh, I don't know what I'm doing excuse me <laughs> but my brother um, he was the physical winemaker he was the one that knew how to adjust the acids and you know add water if needed and, and do all the stuff in the cellar that I'm like okay I'm the economics guy um, but <laughs> You know, enough <laughs> drinking enough wine and, and seeing what you like, what your palate likes. I started taking a little bit more uh, creative liberties and uh, we started to collaborate a little bit more. Um, and in 2019, and we'll get to this here, um, we so we currently sell our Syrah to Donlin Family Wines here in Santa Rosa. And up until 2017 or 18, we sold all but two tons of four acres to Donlin. Um, in 2018, 19? 19. My dad came back and said, Donlin's only buying 50%. You need to figure out how to use eight tons of Syrah. And I'm like, um, all right. Let me, <laughs> let me figure this Let's out. Let's get naked and roll in it. <laughs> yeah. That is typically what my dad would say. <laughs> we were biodynamic years ago. Um, but uh, so since 2014, my little dabbles here and there in winemaking um, and being a little bit creative, uh, I found out that our property is actually in three AVAs. We're in Sonoma Coast, Green Valley, and Russian River Valley. And one of the wines that my dad has always loved is a Chateauneuf de Pop style um, Syrah based and Grenache based wine. And so what I decided to do with our 21s that will be coming up uh, bottled in March uh, is to create a Hermitage style that will be our Sonoma Coast, which will be 100% Syrah. Our Cote de Roti style, which will be about 95% Syrah from our property and 5% Viognier from our property. And then our Russian River, which will be our Grenache-based uh, wine with uh, Mavedra and Syrah from our property. Dan, tell me, uh, besides the fact that it's a Chardonnay, tell me why I like this Chardonnay so much. Well, I think one of the reasons is that it's so young and yet it's still so approachable. Uh, in some areas of Russian River Valley, you you get the wine, and then you wait on it. And in this case, you don't have to wait. He's already done some of the work for you in the winery. So the wine is 
got this beautiful, lush uh, aftertaste, but it's not lacking in acidity. So the acidity is still there, mm-hmm. but the mid-palate is, is rich, and, and, and it's not so rich that you can't drink it right away without any food. But it probably would be better with some, you know, something like uh, swordfish or halibut or something like that. It's very, very pretty wine. Or oysters. It might work with oysters, yeah. Uh, it's got enough acidity to go with it, yeah. It's and it's not over-oaked at all. Not at all. Right. I mean, how much it's, oak did you say this had? It's about 25%. About 25%. That's about right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. an oak bomb. But it's letting the fruit shine. I mean, if you're paying that much for fruit, you may as well let everybody smell fruit. So, Mike, how I mean? does this wine age, typically? Uh, I am actually having, and it's good, uh, funny you ask, I have some good family friends of ours that are coming out from Boston tomorrow for their fifth wedding anniversary. And... Their favorite wine was our 2014 Flash Globe Chardonnay. And we have not done anything different uh, in our protocols or aging or anything since that, since that vintage. And I was, at their wedding, I was at their house in 2019, and they pulled out their last bottle of 2014 Bosch Globe And it tasted like it was brand new. Mm. So I would say probably seven to nine years on this. Fabulous. Somebody get uh, Harry some of the red that uh, you guys are pouring. Because I'm he's... just starting on the Chardonnay. <laughs> Slow down. Well, still get him some red because he's our red wine guy. Okay. Uh, our guest is Mike Kobler, KoblerStateWinery.com. It is California Wine Country, brought to you by Bottle Barn. Bottle Barn is your headquarters for the 2022 Harvest Fair. They do this every year. All the winners are on display in a massive collection of best of class, double gold, and gold medalists. Bottle Barn, of course, was recently named one of the best wine shops in the United States of America by wine enthusiasts, and one of only three named in the state of California. So, I mean... Not surprising. No, and we all know Bottle Barn. They stock the widest selection of wines from all over the world at the very best prices, and also the the best deals and the biggest selection of spirits and craft beer. Bottle Barn open every day from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. for in-store shopping. You can place orders for in-store pickup online at BottleBarn.com. And they have a new mobile app, so check that out and download that. Uh, You can subscribe to their email list online to get the the jump on all the special sales and the latest in-store tastings and other events going on. It's BottleBarn.com. Our guest is Mike Kobler, winemaker at Kobler Estate Winery. Uh, Tom Simino is in, and of course, uh, Dan Berger. Where might folks find these fine wines? So, right now, uh, we are, I'm very happy to say that we've been partnering with uh, Region over in the Barlow for the last several years. Um, we were approached by them in early 2020, and we all know how that year went. Um, but I have to say that 21 and 22 and being a partner with them has been uh, really invaluable to us. Uh, like I said, we're a small producer. Um, and having our wines being able to be, you know, basically it's a small second tasting room that has a lot more foot traffic than we do. Um, and personally, I love the breadth of wine that's on the wall. I mean, who can deny 50 choices of wine? You on must the wall? be in Bottle Barn, too. Uh, we were in Bottle Barn up until last year. We had our 2,000 cuvee uh, that you will taste last year. But we are such a small producer right. um, that we 
we just don't have enough at the moment. But you'll find some and get it to Barry Herbst at Bottle Bar. Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs>